0: Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined by Derek Terry. Uh, Derek, we have another jam-packed episode of Kentucky Daily.
1: We do. Keeping it rolling, we'll be joined today by a good friend of mine, and yours too, I'm sure, John Held, the Louisville Courier Journal. He'll come on. It's like a little UK hoops, but uh, mostly UK football Um I would say interview as Kentucky begins spring practice today. They're actually probably wrapping up right about now, Sean.
0: Yeah, it's that, it's that time of year. I know we've talked a lot of U.K. basketball in recent days, and rightfully so, given that that's kind of going to dominate the, the headlines moving through the spring. But this is a very important spring for, for Mark Stoops and the football program. Uh, coming off a strong finish. Obviously, winning the bowl game against NC State and then moving into the offseason where they did another excellent job of winning the offseason. But this is a big one, Derek, because you're breaking in a new offense, you're, you're putting in a new scheme, you're a new offensive coordinator, a new running backs coach was announced yesterday. Uh, a quarterback battle that we are very intrigued with, considering that one of the guys, Will Levis, is not even on campus yet. Um, it's an interesting spring. We won't get to have a look at them i think that what does that what makes it even more intriguing right you won't get to see these yeah. guys unless it's in uh, some highlight packages here and there that they put out on twitter and social media so but if you ask me i think liam cohen and mark stoops are perfectly fine with that because everyone will go into that first game wondering okay what does kentucky actually have
1: yeah yeah i mean it's um Kind of intriguing and maybe a scary way too, right? For fans, perhaps that, uh, you know, I mean, I wouldn't say the fear of the unknown, but it will be, you know, on the, any highlight package you're going to get on Twitter, I mean, you're only going to see the good and you're not going to see anything that can lend you to kind of the formations or whatnot. So we'll see how forthcoming they are in interviews. Of course, football coaches, like I was saying, not too long ago, very paranoid people. Um, but regardless, I think today is, is an optimistic day for a lot of people. I'm very curious to hear later on what what Liam Cohen had to say about his first day of install, um, officially out there on the field. But that the set and we'll talk about it with John, but yes, the set Levis situation is just I wonder how common that will become in the transfer portal age where obviously the quarterback spot is the most high profile position on the field. You have the Really, a lot of good ingredients to make a, a kind of a juicy storyline with the quarterbacks. You have a hometown kid in Bo Allen who threw for like 10,000 or 11,000 yards in high school at Lexington Catholic. You have the former top 50 player in Joey Gatewood who is going into, I believe, his fourth year of school. And then you have this guy like Will Levis that Liam Cohen liked enough to where he just added the guy knowing he couldn't even be here for the spring. So I'm really curious to see how all that is going to play out. Um, we'll start to hear some things trickle out today, I'm sure, behind the scenes on how practice went. But a lot of other really good storylines, I think important storylines for Kentucky football that uh, we'll be addressing over the next, I guess, 14 practices after today.
0: Yeah, and like you said there about the quarterbacks, how intriguing, right? I mean, Joey Gatewood, when the day he committed, Derek, Kentucky fans is like, that's that's the savior. That's the savior of the program there. That's the offensive guy, the the elite quarterback, uh, and then Bo Allen, like you mentioned, the homegrown kid that everybody at, at one point last year I think was ready to see him kind of take over the offense, even though he wasn't ready physically. But you look at Levis from what from what we've seen of Levis, the arm strength might be, I think might be the biggest thing that Cohen really likes, and. uh it will be interesting to hear what Cohen has to say today. Like, obviously, we're recording this before he speaks to us, but we had him on Kentucky Daily. You got to hear that episode yesterday. That was before he had any kind of installment of his offense when it comes to everything on the field. So I am intrigued to see what he has to say about day one, and then he kind of breaks it down from top to bottom. But there are a lot of storylines, Derek, and not just on the offensive side. Uh, obviously, Wondell Robinson being a factor, Josh Ali returning, and then uh, moving on to the defense, too. There's some storylines on that side of the ball as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can make an argument that at every level of the defense, there are you know, pretty big holes to fill. I and mean, you think a defensive line to lose Quentin Bohanna, you feel good about the depth knows a guard with Marquon McCall coming back and the two young guys who are highly recruited, and Justin Rogers and Josiah Hayes. Uh, but still, it's hard to – anytime you lose a four-year starter, I mean, that, that is it's big shoes to fill. Uh, you know, also Cordell Looney was in that group, Phil Hoskins. Of course, Hoskins was a starter last year. Looney was a very good rotational player for three to four years. Then at linebacker, you know, you lose Boogie Watson. Uh, Jamin Davis is, <laughs> at this point, he's had like a meteoric rise, um, talking about being a potential rookie of the year next year. some of these draft analysts are saying that. So that's a big deal. But too, Shawnee, think about it. Whenever Chris Oates was lost for the season last year, what were we talking about? Man, that's going to be tough to replace Chris. It's going to be tough to, yeah. for somebody to step up, and then you have a guy like Jamin step up. I'm not saying whoever replaces Jamin Davis next year is going to be an eventual first-round draft pick or second round whenever he ends up, but there always seems to be somebody who does step up, and that, that, I'm sure that'll be the case. And then the secondary, kind of interesting. I don't, to me, anyway, it seems like it's kind of flown under the radar, but Kentucky lost a cornerback Obviously, Kelvin Joseph went to the NFL, but also Jamari Brown and MJ Devonshire both transferred. Those are the only two guys who have entered the portal that have ended up at Power 5 schools this cycle. Jamari Brown is at Purdue, and Devonshire went back home to Pittsburgh. So those are two guys that, I mean, other Power 5 schools thought highly of and were willing to take. So do you consider that to be a good sign? Probably, that these guys who – um, I'm, I'm assuming didn't see fits anymore at Kentucky or didn't think they'd have enough playing time to really satisfy them. So they're going to go somewhere else. So what does that say about the guys who, who are still here carries and Valentin big potential. We all know that Tedric Dort's been around a long time. And then you have Andrew Phillips and Quandre Mosley, probably as of today, I would say are, are the guys still competing for jobs at cornerback. So, but, but, you know, Phillips specifically was a, a recruit. I liked a lot in 2020. Um, but you know he's he's not played a whole lot. So and then you think at safety that, that should be a position UK is pretty good at. Vito Tisdale's back, Yusuf Corker is back, Tyrell Asians back, Devontae Robinson is back. So that is the one position I would say on defense you feel very good about with young guys like Jill Williams, who was a yeah. four-star recruit, yeah. had offers from everybody. So both sides of the ball. I mean, there's a lot to a lot to unpack, and you know I just hope with with Zoom and or whatnot we can. Do a good enough job getting coverage, getting our questions answered, and and, and kind of seeing who's doing well.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think obviously you hit on a lot there. I, I do think as well that it's big. The spring is big for special teams as well. You know, John Settle taking over as co uh, co special teams coordinator. You ready? Showtime on May third. Summer starts with the Fall Guy. we do later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's
2: the poster said.
0: See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy.
2: Trying to make out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall
0: Guy. Only in theaters, May 3rd. Read it PG 13. That's an area that really struggled at times last year, especially down the stretch and punt coverage and things like that. You're going to be breaking in a new punter. Uh, Definitely a lot of intriguing storylines across the U.K. football landscape as they go through the spring. Uh, Spring where they should get, hopefully, every practice in. They didn't get it last year. It was cut short due to COVID. And I know Mark Stoops wants to use all this the next few weeks to kind of uh, jumpstart this thing as they move into the summer. Uh, But, Derek, let's not waste any more time. Everybody came to listen to what John Hill has to say. John is uh, very informative on the U.K. beat, one of the most plugged-in people that you could find as a source around U.K., So I hope you enjoy this interview with him. So let's jump right into that.
2: The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcast.
1: Hey, joining us now on Kentucky Daily is John Hale of the Louisville Courier-Journal, a good friend of mine, someone has been on the beat a long time now uh, for the Courier-Journal and some other outlets. So, John, how are you doing?
2: I'm good. Thanks for having me, guys.
1: Let's start um, with the topic I guess most people are still talking about now, which is Kentucky basketball. Um The annual roster attrition, you could say, has already began. Cameron Fletcher on Saturday went to the transfer portal. A couple of guys have reportedly announced that they will come back for next season and Devin Askew and Dante Allen. But, John, whenever you think about UK's roster, just how different do you expect it to look next season um, compared to how it was this year?
2: A lot. I mean, that's just the default, it seems like, in Cal's tenure here. I mean, we already know for sure that they're going to have – the, I mean, Damian Collins is going to play a huge role. You assume the other two freshmen, Nolan Hickman and Bryce Hopkins are going to at least be parts of the rotation. Maybe Hickman's your starting point guard, depending on who else they, they add. You got Oscar Schwebe coming in as a transfer who's been here on campus. So we know there's at least four new pieces. You got to assume they're going to add a, a couple to three more, whether it's Justin Powell, whether it's another transfer, what, whoever it is. And then you you look at the guys here and whether they're going to come back. I mean, I just assume that B.J. Boston, Terrence Clark, Isaiah Jackson are all definitely gone. Throwing Olivier Saar into that group, too. I know there's chatter and buzz that maybe B.J. comes back. It seems like every year there's one of those guys, though, that's projected as a first rounder that we do this for a couple weeks. You know, will he come back? Maybe there's a reason to. I remember Kevin Knox's dad said some stuff that year about, like, maybe he'd come back and get better and add some weight. And maybe Vijay's the guy who, who bucks that trend, but if I'm a Kentucky fan, I'm just reminding myself that in Cal's tenure here, they've had one healthy guy who was a borderline first-round pick come back to school, and that was Terrence Jones in 2011. Obviously, Willie Colley-Stein his sophomore year came back, but he was hurt, and so that was a, he wasn't going to be able to work out with teams or anything. So the the safe assumption for me is just always assume they're leaving and then be pleasantly surprised if they come back. So if you you think those three guys are gone, and then it's toss-ups. I mean, what does Davion Mintz do? What does Keon Brooks do? I think those are the two real X factors. If um, you're putting Askew and Allen, Lance Ware, Jacob Toppin in the likely coming back category, Uh, maybe we'll see what happens to the transfer portal as as this progresses. We get a little more clear idea as to what the rule's going to be, but yeah, you know, I think there might be more people back than a normal Cal year. He's averaged like three or four coming back every year, but it's still going to look vastly different. Which for Kentucky fans is probably good news this year.
0: John Cal had his uh, final radio show of the season last night, and I think he actually said a lot of the right things that the fans were wanting to hear. He he mentioned how the style of play is now more skill set than it is length and athleticism, and I know he's won a lot of games relying on length and athleticism. Uh, He also kind of gave a a warning to those who enjoyed Kentucky struggles this season. So I guess I'll just ask you, what did you think of the kind of the send off as we go into the off season of of his final comments?
2: Yeah, I thought it was good. I mean, I thought it was a definite improvement from what he said after the game, what Friday or Thursday when they lost to Mississippi state in the SEC tournament, because, you know, a couple of us tried to get him to bite then on, do you think there are changes needed or do you think this was just a weird COVID year? And he said, first he said, you know, I don't want to talk about it. I'm just focused on the game right now. And then he couldn't help himself. And he just went into this long list of COVID excuses that had been reasons that they were so bad this year. And all that's true. I mean, that was definitely a factor, but it's also, if you say it's a normal year and you say you had a normal preseason, you had your exhibition games, you had those November by games against low major opponents to build momentum Does anybody really think this was a a Final Four caliber team? This was a team that was going to make Elite Eight? No. I mean, they wouldn't have had a losing record. They probably would have been in the tournament. But this would have been a 2016, a 2018 kind of team that would have been fighting to get to the Sweet 16. And that's just not the standard you've set when you call yourself the gold standard of college basketball every year. You've got to be better than that. And these issues have been steadily growing for the last four or five years. So he has to address that. I'm still a little skeptical he's going to change his system, you know, wholesale changes. I'll see it. Uh, I'll believe it when I see it next year, but it was a, I I think it was a positive first step and at least acknowledging that there are some things they need to address. Now the question is, you know, go out and get some shooters, do whatever you want to do. But when push comes to shove next year, if he's playing a guy who can hit six, seven threes a game, but can't defend worth a lick, is he really going <laughs> to keep him out there? I think that's what's going to be the test of this.
1: Yeah, I think that's totally fair and, and a good point. Uh, shifting over to football now, spring football began for Kentucky on Tuesday. John, when you kind of examine this football team or just spring in general, what are some of the the major storylines that you personally will be most interested in?
2: Yeah, I think it starts with the offense, obviously. Uh, we're recording this, you know, on uh, Tuesday morning right before we're going to talk to Liam Cohen, the new offensive coordinator, but just how much progress can they make in implementing his system this year? I mean, Mark Stoops said yesterday, it's, you know, completely new terminology, completely new cadence. They're going to go under center a lot more than they ever did last year. So it's a big adjustment, a big change. How much are they going to get out of that? And what does that mean for the quarterbacks? Because, you know, Bo Allen and Joey Gatewood, obviously the leaders in the clubhouse right now, but Will Levis is going to come this summer. Uh, They're not going to declare a starter before they even see him on campus. Uh, How much can those quarterbacks benefit from learning the system this spring and maybe gaining a leg up in that competition the fall? That's what I'm really interested in. And then the new faces, the transfers, Wondell Robinson, uh, even Justice Dingle and Luke Fulton, like what do those guys look like? How much can they help them right away? Because I think there's some holes to plug on defense. And if they can fill those holes, um, figure out a quarterback, they could be really good this fall.
0: Yeah, and that's what I was going to ask you about was the the quarterback battle because I think when the season ended we all assumed that it was going to be Bo Allen and just Joey Gatewood battling it out. But then uh, Cohen handpicks Will Levis. How intriguing is that, that the starter might not even be on campus this spring?
2: Yeah, I think it's it says a lot. I mean, my kind of vibe from just talking to people uh, who were involved in that decision-making process or at least were aware of the recruiting there is you know, I don't know that the – the Cohen was super impressed with where the quarterbacks were when he got on campus. That does not mean by any any stretch of the imagination that Bo Allen, Joey Gatewood can't develop into good players, that they can't still win games for this program. And maybe it happens this fall. Maybe it happens in a couple of years, whatever that is. But it's important to remind ourselves that for as bad as the passing game was last year it was pretty obvious based on a, the way those guys played when we saw them and b, just what Eddie Grant and Darren Henshaw were doing, knowing their jobs were on the line that Terry Wilson had a pretty considerable edge over both quarterbacks in terms of winning games last season. And we know that Terry was far from a complete quarterback and had plenty of his own issues. So that I think that tells you a lot about where the quarterback situation is going into the spring practice. So, um, it, the big factor is, is whether those guys look completely different in a new offense. Maybe they thrive in this system. Maybe it makes it easier for them to do things they weren't doing last year. I think that's certainly within the realm of possibility, but they brought in Will Levis to compete for the job. And and I think that that's definitely, I mean, if I were handicapping it, I'd make him the favorite uh, with the caveat that we'll see if either Bo or, or Joey makes a big jump this spring.
1: Yeah. I would agree with that. I, I definitely think, um, Come fall, I think it's going to be Will Levis' job to lose. So at receiver, obviously adding Wendell Robinson was, was pretty much a, a must-get. Maybe not necessarily Wendell, but Kentucky desperately needed uh, a playmaker, out wide receiver, to go with Josh Lee, who, of course, will be back for his fifth season. When you think about the spring for some of these other receivers, uh, I mean, they have a, a lot of guys on scholarship and a lot of guys who have pretty much produced a very little throughout their career. How much do you think a new scheme will help those guys? Or do you think it's a case that, you know, maybe Kentucky over the next few years really has to recruit that position hard in order to get the necessary guys in there to to be successful against SEC defenses?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's probably a little bit of both. I, I do think I'm, – I'm really interested to see guys like, obviously, Isaiah Epps, who came on a little bit down the stretch. Bryce Oliver, who we've heard so much about, but has struggled to stay healthy. Alan Daly, who showed glimpses. Those three guys in particular, what can they do in a new system? Is it the thing that puts them over the top in terms of being a consistent contributor? I think the possibility is still there. And then you throw in young guys like Isaiah Cummings and Mike Drennan, who got a lot of talk last year, but we really never saw them develop or be used at least as uh, consistent parts of the offense. Where are they at? Um, think about a guy like Tate tay Crooms, who is of interest to me because he's from Louisville. And so, you know, I have a, a, a local interest in writing about Louisville guys. And he just basically disappeared. Nobody really talked about him for two years. And then all of a sudden on that radio show at the end of the year, Mark Stoops mentions him as a guy that they're really excited about still. So you always wonder what was going on behind the scenes last year, who was available, who wasn't, what, you know, practice availability, how that affected whether they were playing. Um, so maybe we'll find some more out about that the spring and some of those young guys. But I would be pretty surprised if the bulk of that group is still on campus in two years. I think you, you hope that maybe there are three or four, maybe five guys of that giant group of receivers they have right now that become consistent contributors that you can build around. And then you've got to keep adding one or two impact guys per year. As you, you got to imagine, I mean, obviously Josh lee has gone after this year. I'd be pretty surprised if Wandale's here for more than a year, so it's not like they're long-term pieces. They're kind of plug-and-play guys. So you're going to need to to replace them and then hope that, you know, some of this second-tier group steps up to become those guys in 2022. But then you'll still need young guys to compete. So I, I think that's a huge – it's got to be a huge emphasis in recruiting. And what they how they play in the fall is going to probably say a lot about what their success is there because – I don't know why any high school receiver would be super interested in Kentucky right now based on the way they've played the last four years, but maybe if they go out and throw it more consistently and Liam Cohen proves that that's what they're going to do, then that will get them involved in, in a caliber of receivers they don't have right now.
0: John, the spring is obviously huge when you're breaking in a new offensive scheme, you're breaking in a new offensive coordinator, quarterbacks, but is there a position group that you think needs the spring the most? Like which one would it be?
2: See in linebacker. I know yesterday defensive line got a lot of talk, which I think is is definitely um, obviously those guys who they signed two years ago are going to get a lot of attention and they need them to step up as a rotation players if nothing else this year. But linebacker, you lose Javon Davis, who was such an integral part of the defense. So how do you replace him? Is it Luke Fulton? Is it Garrett Jackson? Is it you know, somebody who's not on campus yet? Who's, you know, Trayvon Wallace, whoever it's going to be. Uh, can DeAndre Square step up and be, you know, one of your best defensive players? I think we thought he was going to be that guy last year, and, and maybe he didn't have the season. We expect Jamie Jamin Davis filled that role. Maybe we thought Square was going to fill. So what does he do? And then on the outside, their edge rushing needs to be better. I mean, they just have, need to have a more consistent pass rush, and you're not going to have J.J. Weaver this spring is I – mean, status and I, I assume, is going to be a question, you know, late into fall camp as to whether he's going to be ready for the season coming off the ACL injury. So they need other guys to step up there. Jordan Wright needs to, you know, cash in on the promise that he's shown at times, be a consistent guy. You know, it's just a going option there. Um, some of the young guys who we haven't seen play a whole lot, uh, like, uh um, uh, Katie McDaniel, what what are those guys? What, how are the pieces there? I, I think that that's a position that you need a lot of movement because it, it's hard to imagine that that defense is going to be very good if they don't have a consistent pass rush and, and somebody in that group has to step up and do it.
1: John, last question I have for you is just, I guess, a big picture question.
2: Whenever... And
1: I guess it's it's still spring. It's hard to say, especially with how the transfer portal is. I guess you can expect another round of guys to go in when spring ball ends. But just as of today, big picture, how do you kind of view Kentucky football in the SEC in 2021?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's so impossible to know what they're going to look like until we figure out if they have a legitimate quarterback. If it's such a question. Um, it's easy to dream if you're a Kentucky fan on some, you know, X, Y, Z going right and having another kind of special 2018 10 win kind of season. I think that's within the realm of possibility. To be honest, I thought it was in within the realm of possibility last year and it obviously didn't happen, but maybe that was because of COVID and all the weird stuff and SEC only schedule. I, I do think what we saw last year playing 10 SEC games kind of, reinforced where Kentucky's at in the pecking order in this league right now. I mean, there clearly is still a giant gap between them and, you know, Florida and Georgia in terms of the top teams in the East. But there's – everybody else in that division's a, a jumbled mess. I mean, Tennessee, it's a mess. <laughs> South Carolina, uh, Vanderbilt's obviously terrible. Missouri, they, I mean, those are teams Kentucky seems to have passed in recent years. And, and how can you, you know, keep ahead of those teams? Don't fall back. That's goal number one. But then close the gap with Florida and Georgia. If you want to be a legitimate contender, I don't think they're there yet. Maybe this new offense is the key that gets them over that jump. It, it's, I, I think Mark Stoops has gotten the program to a point where it's a little bit beyond what Rich Brooks had it at in terms of the bowl game is the bare minimum every year. You hope every two or three years you can have a special season where you've got a bunch of upperclassmen who have played a lot that happened in 2018. Uh, but there's I, I, until they do it again it's still, a, I think, a fair question as to whether that was kind of a fluke or whether that was a legitimate thing that this program can expect every few years.
1: John, good stuff like
2: always. Appreciate you
1: coming on the show, spending some time with us. And uh, if you guys want to follow John, you can follow him on Twitter. Can you get your Twitter handle, John?
2: Yeah, it's at John, H A L E underscore C-J.
1: You won't have to put up with too many Cubs tweets, from what I remember from John. So.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I try and uh, the Reds fans uh, in my timeline, <laughs> try to respect respect the rivalry, let them, let them have their moments, don't want to annoy too many people. So we'll, we'll, we'll yeah. keep it easy.
1: Well, John does a great job for the Courier Journal. You can check his work out there, either in print or online. But thanks for coming on, John. Thanks for having me, guys.
0: Derek, I thought John had a lot of really good things to say in that interview. Obviously, we threw in a couple of questions. On the the basketball side, just because that's hot right now, we wanted to get John's thoughts on on a couple of those things. But then uh, the football coverage there, it's an intriguing spring. From all those questions we ask him, uh, one of the most intriguing, definitely the most intriguing, I think, since I've been on the UK beat.
1: Yeah, no question. And I think anytime you have a transitional year with an offensive coordinator and quarterbacks, it's always going to make it intriguing. But then you think about – this day and age in college football and transfers were mentioned a few times in an interview with John, but some of the guys Kentucky will be relying on the most potentially this year on offense with Will Levis and Wondell Robinson, two guys that they went out and got. And then defensively, you know, Justice Dingle is a guy who at the very least I think will be a backup. So this will be, in my opinion, the first year, I mean, that it really, they're going to be counting really, really heavily on some transfer guys from Power 5 schools. Uh, Luke Fulton, too, is another guy that will most likely play some kind of role. He played at Michigan State for two years, didn't, didn't really play at all, I don't think. I don't know if he recorded any stats, but that's just a change, man. And who knows? I, I, I still think, personally, from what I've heard, there's a pretty good chance they add another wide receiver after spring ball ends once that, you know, it'll, it's going to get revved back up again once the guys find their standing after spring. So that'll be something else to follow.
0: Yeah, very, very interesting storylines to follow. John did an excellent job hitting on everything with with Spring. Uh, As Derek said, he threw out his his information on how to follow John, how to access his work. I I recommend you do so. John is one of the best on the UK beat. Uh, This episode was powered by Blue Wire Pods. It's also powered by The Butcher's Pub with two locations active, one in Palmville, Kentucky, one in Williamsburg, Kentucky, and then the third location in London, Kentucky, will be opening on April 15th, so I will release more information as we move closer to that, but you can visit thebutcherspub.com or check them out on Facebook at the Butchers Pub Palmville, the Butchers Pub Williamsburg, or the Butchers Pub London. He's Derek Terry, I'm Sean Smith, we'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily.